wait a minute. Now, before you call me a false teacher, let me quickly add to that that you can't know the day or hour of his coming. But yes, you can know the hour of his coming. And I'm using hour exactly the same way, that specific 60 minutes or less portion of a day. How can they both be true? They both are. And I will show you in this video. But this, this video, that's not the point of this video. There's something far more important. It leads to the real point. The real point is this. He is coming as a thief on most of the church. Because we've believed pastors who have no idea what they're talking about when it comes to eschatology. Before I get into that, let me just say this. A couple of people have mentioned, Stan, it's tough to follow along with you. I watch your videos, I don't know what you're talking about. I re-watch your videos, and I still don't know what you're talking about. Okay, if I'm not making myself clear, we got to change that. So I'm going to put some quality control in place. From now on, before I make my presentation to you, I'm going to make it to my sister and her friend Carolyn. Because if those two can figure it out, all of mankind will be able to figure it out. Every last man, woman, and child on the planet and even some of the animal kingdom. If they can follow it, dolphins can follow it, okay? And African gray parrots, uh, your upper echelon monkeys, uh, poodles, rat snakes. Look, I want to make it clear so that you're following me, especially in this video, okay? So let me make the first point very clear. If you do not follow every word he says in the Olivet Discourse, he is going to come upon you as a thief. And there's nearly a 100% certainty of that. Because our pastors and teachers, 99 point something percent of them have no idea what they're talking about when it comes to eschatology. And the proof is in the pudding because you can go to their churches and you won't hear any urgency about his coming. They're unaware of it. They don't know. They're like a weatherman in a small town along the Gulf Coast. And he seems really responsible because he tells his viewers, we're in hurricane country, so we've got to stay prepared. You know, make sure you always have a full tank of gas. Make sure you've got fresh water and some food in case the power goes out. Oh, he's really responsible. We really like him. And then a hurricane bears down on him, a cat four headed right in to the middle of their town. And he says nothing because his methodology is flawed. He doesn't know. And that's exactly what's happening with our pastors and teachers. They are clueless as to what is coming. Oh, everything that has to happen before the rapture has happened. That's wrong. So we just stay prayed up and, you know, and stay alert. They think that's watching. That is not watching. I'm not saying that's evil, what they're saying. It's good to stay prayed up, whatever that means. It depends on what they mean by it, I guess. And it's important to watch and eagerly await his coming. But you're still not watching the way the Lord wants us to watch. When he says watch, he means the things I am saying as signs leading to my coming. That's what we're not doing, by and large. And we have to start that immediately. How can both of these propositions be correct? 
Because right before he comes, there's an event. When you see that event, you will be within an hour of his coming, literal hour of his, within a literal hour of his coming. The problem is we don't know the day or hour of that event, but once it shows up, we will know. And I didn't realize that until this past week. When he talks to the Sardis, the church at Sardis, he tells them, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you won't know the hour of my coming. Well, the, the converse of that has to be true. If you do watch, you will know the hour of my coming. But I've always presented that as, well, he's, he's using hour there as a general time. I'm changing my mind after this week, after the study that I've done this week, I'm changing my mind. He's talking about the same hour that he uses when he says, you can't know the day or hour of my coming. They're both true. He's talking about a literal within 60 minutes once we see the event that he connects to his coming. All three versions of the Olivet Discourse contain it. The event is war in heaven. The amazing thing is before I jumped to the Olivet Discourse, in about November or December of last year, I realized once I had put the three event lines in proper place, I said, and I've made videos on this, I'm not patting myself on the back, there's another point here. I said, look, the, the, the war in heaven, that's coming, that's looming. It's, it's in the sixth seal. When we see the stars fall from heaven, it's angels. That's the result of that war in heaven. That's Satan and his angels being cast to earth. When you look at the uh, Satan event line, which begins with the Revelation 12 sign, what's the next event? War in heaven. The Lord in the Olivet Discourse refers to it as the powers of the heavens will be shaken. He links it to his coming in all three versions of the Olivet Discourse. In Matthew, he says, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. At the Olivet Discourse in Mark, he says, the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. In Luke's version, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken, that is, war in heaven. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. We will not see him until we see war in heaven. And he has given us one last final marching order that we, he expects us to comply to. If it happened today, 99% of the church will disregard his last instruction to us prior to his coming. You will see that if you will just make sure that your eschatology aligns with what he is saying in the Olivet Discourse, because what we have found out over the previous two years is the book of Revelation 100% supports the Olivet Discourse. The brick-and-mortar churches, they do not. They do not support the Revelation 12 sign that, was, that appeared in heaven on September 23rd of 2017. They disregard that and they disregard the Olivet Discourse, their eschatology is a disaster. And so 
I could go to a really good Bible-believing church, stand outside on the steps, wait for it to be over, and with a microphone and camera, as they, people came out, excuse me, could you tell me what war in heaven is about, when it will happen, has it happened, and how is it relevant to the church? The responses you would get would be similar to the responses of, you know, some personality going to a beach in Southern California and asking the people on the beach who signed the Declaration of Independence. It would be that awkward. That awkward. War in heaven. War in heaven. Uh, war in heaven. And yet, it's vitally important to the Lord. He links it three times in the Olivet Discourse to his coming. His coming will not happen until there is war in heaven. Listen to me carefully because he is giving us one final marching order. And if you don't do it, he's going to come upon you as a thief. What does that mean? I'm not sure. I'm honestly not sure. I could, I could act like a real tough guy and go, and you'll be left behind. But that's a lie. I don't know that. I don't know that at all. Here's what I do know. If you think for one second that the rapture is going to happen on some sunny day and all of a sudden some planes fall out of the sky and there's a bunch of car crashes and a bunch of missed appointments and the world is going, what happened to all the Christians? And the government is conspiring to come up with some sort of excuse as to why the Christians have disappeared and your family, your unsaved family and friends come over to your house and they read that letter you've left behind for them so they'll know what happened. That's really sweet. I'm not, you know, demeaning that. It's not how it's going to come down. That's not even close. That's fictitious. That's straight out of a novel somewhere. Someone told you that who was peddling a wheelbarrow full of crap, which is their eschatology. It is worthless. They are as worthless as that weatherman in that little town on the Gulf Coast. He doesn't know what he's talking about. It's not going down like that. That is not the situation. That is not the ambiance uh, of his coming for the church. That's not correct. Inside the Olivet Discourse, he gives marching orders to two different people. He gives marching orders to the people who were going to see the temple destroyed. He tells them, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, and the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, run, leave, flee. It's going to be tough for you to do it, but do it. And you know what? The first century Christians did do it, according to early Christian historians. Uh, Eusebius is the one that I read. He said they went to Pella. Pella is in Greece, a few miles from Thessalonica. They left. They missed one of the worst times in the history of the world, the destruction of the temple. But it wasn't even the destruction of the temple that was so bad. It was what was happening in Jerusalem for three and a half years before the temple was destroyed. They escaped all of that because they listened to the Lord. And yes, there was an abomination of desolation back then, the worst one to ever occur in either temple. So they saw that. They saw the, the armies that initially came out of Syria surrounding Jerusalem, and they got out. Because if they had lingered one hour longer, they would have been stuck inside Jerusalem and all hell broke loose inside Jerusalem from that point forward. They listened. You know, it had to be tough to leave your home, leave all your possessions, leave everything you knew, 
and just take off running to a new country, but they did it. He is also giving instructions to people who are going to be on the earth right before his coming. And the church is, you, there's no other grade to give them but an F in preparing their people for that final marching order. Listen carefully what he says about the war in heaven, and you'll see why it's important that we understand what we're supposed to do. Well, let's start with the first sign that he gives in the Olivet Discourse in Luke. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on earth distress of nations with perplexity. Okay, we've seen a sign in the sun, in the moon, and the stars, the big one, the Revelation 12 sign. There's a check mark there. Could there be more? Have there been more? I'll say yes. That's a real possibility that there are more. But we have seen the big one, the Revelation 12 sign. Are we seeing perplexity? of the nations? If, if we could actually find a newscast that had integrity and honesty, we would see that there is problems all over the world. People are upset. They can't figure out what's going on with their governments and with their nations and the situations that they're facing. They can't figure it out, and they're not happy. And then he says, the sea and the waves roaring. That's the outlier. And it, I have that one circled because I don't know if it's figurative or if it's literal. We're going to deal with it today as if it's figurative and just kind of move past it, but I'm going to get back to it at some point. Let's say it's figurative. Figurative in the sense that it is the Gentile nations. He's using the sea as a metaphor for the Gentile nations. They're riled up, the sea and the waves roaring. Then, here we go, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heaven. For, because, why are, there, why are there fainting? Why are there hearts failing? Because the powers of the heavens will be shaken. War in heaven. Then they will see the Son of Man coming. Do you understand? They will see and be terrorized by the war in heaven. It will manifest itself in some ways, in the heavens. I don't have a complete crystal clear description, but it is going to look like your reality is being shredded. And it is horrific to everyone on planet earth. When we look at the parallel event in the book of Revelation, we see the same thing. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man, hid themselves in the caves and the rocks of the mountains. They are freaked out. They can't believe what they're seeing. And we have a different calling. Listen closely what the Lord says in the Olivet Discourse. So when you see these things happening, know that it is near. His coming at the doors. Not, not, well, you're getting kind of close now, you know. Go home, have some dinner, think about it, talk about it with the family. No, he's saying it's at the door. It's about to happen. When you see these things, all the things I just mentioned to you, the signs in the sun and the moon and the stars we've seen, the perplexity of the nations, what we haven't seen is war in heaven. But when we see it, we know he is at the door. He is about to come. And then he tells us what to do. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads 
because your redemption draws near. That is the last order he is giving the church. We are to fulfill that order because if we're not aware of it, we're going to get freaked out too. And we're also going to be running like scalded dogs trying to find shelter because it's going to be frightening. Just as in the first century, those Christians had to exercise great faith. He said, when we see these events, run. When we see these events, we're told, don't run. Stand your ground. Lift up because you know your king, the redeemer of your soul, is about to appear. And he wants us doing this. Here he comes. The world is scattering. How embarrassing would it be as a member of the church, not knowing this, takes off running, hiding. And they're actually hiding from their Lord and Savior. He does not want that. This is the final act of faith for the church. Stand your ground because it's going to be tough. It was tough in the first century for them to honor the command. It's going to be tough to look up and see our reality being shredded, seeing sights that we've never seen before. But we know those things have to happen right before he appears. And when he appears, the first thing he does is he sends his angels out to gather the elect. Our time on earth is up. I mentioned in the previous video that war in heaven is connected to the church bringing in its mission, the full number of the Gentiles. That's what triggers the war in heaven. Our, our usefulness down here is no longer needed. We did what he asked us to do, go into all the nations and bring in that number, the number that Paul talks about, the number that the Lord talks about, the number that the Holy Spirit talks about in the book of Revelation. We win. The gates of hell did not prevail against us. And it causes the war in heaven. You can only imagine what a war in heaven between angels even looks like. We, can, we know this. It's frightening. But unless you're committed to understanding what you're supposed to do when you see it, you're going to run. And I don't know what that means. It means this. He's going to come upon you as a thief. Because you didn't know the hour was coming. You didn't listen to him. Behold, he says, take heed, take heed. See, I have told you all things beforehand. Listen, in the comment section, I see a bunch of people who are setting themselves up to have him come upon them as a thief because they're blowing off the Olivet Discourse. They're blowing off what I'm saying here. I don't have a lot to say. I have a, just a real tiny little splinter of prophecy that I can show you because that's all he's led me to. But I guarantee you, I, I have full authority to tell you these things that I'm saying in this because it comes straight from his mouth. Men's hearts failing. I want to make this clear. Because they're seeing what is coming on the earth. For, because, the powers of the heavens are shaken and it's terrifying men. But what he tells the church is, when you see these things begin to happen, you lift up your head. Actually, the Greek says you lean back, lean back, lift up your head because your Savior is at the door. He is about to appear, and he wants to see his people waiting and smiling and joyful. How many of you have your family prepared for this? Well, I'm not going to tell my kids, listen, the stars are going to start falling from the earth, and we just got to stand there and take. 
you do whatever you want. I'm sure there were people in the first century who said, oh, now wait, wait, let's don't get carried away and start running off to some foreign country. Let's sit down. Let's talk about this. Let's make sure this is what the Lord was talking about. This may be something completely nothing. This could be nothing. This could all, you know, blow over in a few days, and we're going we're gonna to feel like jackasses when we're in Greece going, what was I thinking? See, that, that kind of rhetoric sounds kind of wise and practical. It's worthless. No, they saw it, they ran. He said, when you see it, you stand your ground. Get ready, because the love of your soul is about to appear. But the choice is yours. It's clear. He's telling us, stand your ground. It's going to be tough, but I'm telling you to, so do it. I'm sending my angels out to gather you. I don't want to have to go search for you in some rocks and cave because you're weeping and crying and screaming and you don't know what's going on. He wants us standing our ground, waiting for him. Not much to ask, really, in the big picture, is it? Do whatever you feel is right. You're going to anyway. I can tell that in the comment section. In the next video, we're going to kind of review these things, but this time we're going to take a literal look at the sea and the waves roaring. It changes things just a little bit, and I want you to be aware of those as well. Happy Resurrection Day.